0: We just stepped on their face with a half boot and
1: broke
0: their nose. One, two, three. two. Welcome to the Tide Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, joined by your, uh, my angry and long-suffering Hawks amigo, Scott the Stat Assassin. Scott, are we still Hawks fans right now?
1: Tony Wrestler is a broke boy. He needs to stay in L.A. or wherever he actually lives.
0: So, Josh Wright, if you're listening, I do not blame you for selling your season tickets. Let's go ahead and talk about why we are very, very upset with the Hawks in an offseason where they are doing stuff that really does not make much sense to us. I mean, it makes sense, but not if you actually want to win basketball games. Well, Well, David, do they want to
1: win basketball
0: games? That is the question we are going to discuss, Scott. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to subscribe, share this on your social media platforms, you can... Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us, sports at gmail.com. Let's get right into it. About three weeks ago, the Hawks traded John Collins. That itself is not a surprise. <laughs> about three and a half years in the making.
1: I, I think it's also worth remembering and viewing through the lens of the Kevin Herter trade. Yeah. Because we talk about the things that are frustrating. It goes way back. It goes back years. One of the big, real, huge red flags... Was the Kevin Herter salary dump last year, which Mm -hmm. then, you know, trading away a starter because they're like, oh, a 25 year old starter, we don't want to pay him, you know, normal average NBA money. Yeah. We'd already paid him average NBA money. So, time to get rid of him. So, So anyway, that takes us to the John Collins trade that you're about to explain.
0: Well, and so the reason I go back three years of the trade room, some people say it's been four, it hasn't been four. It is the year of the Eastern Conference final run where it was like if they're not going to pay John Collins market value, which at that time, John Collins was probably a top eight power forward in the NBA. That's legit, arguably higher than that. But I even had the numbers crunched and laid it out to people like he was a top eight power forward in the NBA. And it was a time where power forward really wasn't a strong position in the NBA because the NBA was already moving more towards being center dominated, um, which it is now.
1: that was also a previous era when they actually used John Collins and let him use his strengths and participate in basketball instead of telling him to, to stay, stay away three, from everything that's going on.
0: Yeah. So so I go back three years because that's really what this goes back to is debating, okay, if we're not going to pay John Collins, we need to trade him. That's really when the trade rumor started. That trade deadline came and passed. And remember, that was the year that the Hawks at the trade deadline were like a 500 team. Nate takes over, we go on the really, really great run. And then it's like, well, we have to keep this team together. So pay John Collins. But we paid John Collins is at the higher end of what he should have gotten. It was roughly, I think it was roughly $25 million a year, I think it ended up being, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, when you average the money out, which is at the higher end of what he probably deserved. And if John Collins was allowed to do the things John Collins was allowed to do in 2019 and 2020, he was worth that money. Well, with the addition of Capella, John Collins became a sometimes role guy that the rest of the time stood at the three-point line and waited for Trey to pass in the ball so he could bomb threes, which he still did pretty effectively. Fast forward to this year where he shoots 29% from three, career low, and 50% from the field, also his lowest, the, the lowest number since his rookie year, 13 points per game, six rebounds because with Capella on your team, there's just not a lot of rebounds available. Yeah, And John Collins goes from being a plus starter to an average starter who's probably at what they're using him for, slightly overpaid uh, also worth noting that
1: he was a pretty good defender over he that was. stretch too.
0: He, did, he was and people
1: didn't, people didn't notice that because mm-hmm. most people nationally don't pay attention to people playing defense. Most fans in general, you know, they see blocks or steals, but that's it.
0: Right. right? And, and John Collins block numbers are not super high. His rebounding numbers were one of the signs of him being a good defender because, you know, defense ends with possession of the ball people don't think about rebounding as being a part of defense, and Collins was a very, very good rebounder. But as you said, if you look at the metrics like LeBron and real plus minus, he rates as not just a good defender, but like not elite, but like a, a very good defender at the four spot.
1: Right, and him and Capella defensively were excellent. worked together really well and helped keep that side of the ball, I don't know, almost afloat. That's hard to say. They kept yeah. it actually afloat, but they did their best to make it, you know, Sort of float. Without them,
0: it's Ocean Gate. Their defensive rating together was like a top 10 defensive rating in the NBA this past year, which is insane.
1: Yeah. So now, like you said, where they didn't fit that great together was the offensive Offensive end. And and that had a lot to do with Capella not shooting, more so than any shortcomings on you know John Collins' side. Now, obviously, if Collins could have developed more as like a passer or a playmaker, that kind right. of thing. Um, that would have made the fit a little bit better, but also Capella could, you know, shoot better than 50% from the free throw line. And that also would have made that fit better.
0: Well, and essentially what and, you had, and then is, of
1: course he had that finger, the mm-hmm. size of his wrist for the last his, year and shot like crap because of his that.
0: finger to this day, looks like it was mutilated. Like it looks all aw- Brad, Brad Rollins talked about this. Like, it looks like it looks awful. And so whether or not that's it, his finger's never going to be normal again, but, John Collins is a player that if he gets back to shooting what he shot for the last three years, which was 38% essentially. Well,
1: three years. Didn't he have like four solid years of shooting? It was it four. It, it was it's yeah. It, it's ever since know. his rookie
0: year. His rookie year is bad, and every other year has been 36 to 38%. And it's been really good. Or no, 36 to 40 percent. Either way, he had like, I think it was 2019 where he had like Hawks record efficiency with his real yeah. um. Yeah, so his, he had uh, he had a he had a four-year
1: stretch where he shot 35, 40, 40, 36 percent. And over that stretch, I don't know, between three and three and a half threes a game. So not like, you know, not a massive amount, but, you know, he's a big, right? That's enough of a sample size. These are real threes. He could shoot, you know, his free throw percentage was like 80%. Right. So he he could shoot.
0: And I think it was the 19th season where he had like a true shooting percentage of like 66 or something absurd, just. Something mm-hmm. that was just, like, absurdly efficient. It was one of the highest in the NBA. I,
1: I think he holds the
0: Hawks' career record for true he shooting. He does. Franchise yeah. history. Yeah, yeah, he does. So, again, we're giving you this background on John Collins. John Collins is a good NBA player. He is an above-average NBA starter when used correctly. He is. And yeah. He plays both sides of the ball. Him getting traded is not a surprise. What the Hawks got back for him was an absolute travesty. Um, the Hawks got Rudy Gay. 36-year-old guy who played 14 minutes a ga- game for the Jazz and averaged 5.2 points and shot 37% in the field. Four years ago, this isn't a terrible trade. Right now, you're trading for a guy who wasn't ever going to play for the Hawks. If he didn't get traded, he was probably going to be waived. This is a guy that was about to retire. So yeah.
1: the, the only reason he wasn't retired is because he had a player option for this year. Right. So rather than going to free agency, not getting signed by anybody, and being forced into retirement, he obviously chose to accept the free money. Yeah.
0: So the Hawks traded Collins with $78 million left on his deal over the next three years, and it creates a $25.3 million trade exception. Basically, the difference between his salary and Gay's salary – was Gay's salary is like 4 point something million – creates the trade exception. So long st- the two the TLDR is trading John Collins… For Rudy Gay and a single second-round pick got the Hawks under the first luxury tax. And apron. this is a,
1: a future – I forget what year that is. I don't even it's, know the year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's one of those second-round pick five years from now Yeah, that may or may not even convey.
0: So understand this, folks. The reason that we are beside ourselves for this trade is that the Hawks – did not get back an NBA player for John Collins. And no. I have to explain to you what else is on the Jazz roster that we could have asked for. Chris Dunn, who made $700,000, would have given you a bigger trade exception than what you got from Rudy Gay and had 13 points per game last year off their bench. You could have gotten that salary. You could have gotten Taylor Horton Tucker at $10 million, who is a real rotational wing. Kelly Olynyk. A real rotational power forward, 12 million per year. Juan Toscano Anderson, a real rotational wing, 1.6 million. Any of those would have created equally huge trade exceptions, got you under the luxury tax. And oh, hey, wait, they're actually NBA players. But no, even if you're going to dump salary, you can still get back an NBA player. We didn't do that. I don't get this trade and I never will. I don't. I never will. You traded away a career. Average of 15.8 points per game, eight rebounds, 55, 35, 78 career percentages. You traded it for essentially nothing in a second round pick, a single second round pick. Before I continue, Scott, go ahead and jump in here.
1: Yeah, I mean, this trade is nothing about basketball. It's purely about being cheap and never hitting the luxury tax. And so that's why, that's why it doesn't make any sense from a basketball standpoint, because it is not a basketball trade. It is a cap sheet, you know, accounting thing, right? This is moving
0: assets to a foreign country so you can avoid paying taxes. But even having said that, because people tell me, well, John Collins trade value is low, I get that. But but I don't want the reason I don't buy that is because of what we've watched other backup players get traded for.
1: So but- I, I think it's not okay, it's not all about John Collins trade value in a vacuum due to John Collins, but not even just that it's due to the amount of leverage you have as a GM. When you go to somebody and you say, do you want to trade John Collins? We've been trying to trade him for three years. And my owner has said, I have one week to trade him and get under the luxury tax. What do you give me for him? They're like, Oh sure. I'll give you, you know, a handful of peanuts and this, you know, used basketball. Because you have no leverage. What are you going to do? Tell them, no, you don't want that deal?
0: Yes, because Chris Duarte, Chris Duarte got traded for two second round picks. Grant Williams got traded for two second round picks. King and Martin Jr. for two second round picks. Obi right. Toppin, two second round picks. These guys aren't even starters. I have a very yeah. hard time believing that Landry Fields is not good enough at his job to get more than it's a non-player and a second round pick.
1: It's it's not Fields. It's Look at how many teams had tons of salary cap available before free agency. There's not many teams. And when you're not trying to make a basketball trade, you're not trying to take back any money. You got to look at teams that have 25 or 30 million dollars in salary cap space coming up that are willing to just take on John Collins and you know have that fill up their whole salary cap space. So now you are left. You gonna tell
0: me you couldn't get the third point guard for the Utah Jazz for John Collins, like that's what I'm saying, Scott. Like I hear oh, you. But yeah, like,
1: it's it's embarrassing. Or their but...
0: fi- you couldn't get the Utah Jazz's fifth wing for John Collins instead of their seventh wing. Like I just I because and I re- and you've heard this already from me. I went off about it for a good two hours on our text chat. I get yeah, the Ru- Rudy, dump. I get Rudy Gay is a negative, right?
1: Like a lot of people that's a negative
0: at- contract. Yes. That I'm saying, like, you couldn't get a neutral contract back.
1: So yeah, and, and that's what happens when you have no leverage whatsoever because it's open and out there that your owner says you have to dump people. Right? So, And, and you know, if that wasn't clear enough, like we said,
0: they did that with Herder last year. Yeah. We got back a first-round pick for him. Yeah, but it still was a bad trade. Is a bad. Tra- now, it was never a good trade, but we got back a first round pick and we got back a rotational NBA wing. Now, turned out he had a horrible year.
1: Yeah, but mostly we just got a first round pick. But you basically, know, it, uh, that first round pick, whenever that actually conveys and whatever pick that might be, you would absolutely love for that first round pick. It'd be amazing if that turned into a player like Kevin Herter or John right? Collins. Yeah. So or Taylor Johnson,
0: who trading- we actually haven't traded yet.
1: Yeah, you're trading Kevin Herter for uh, the chance to cross your fingers and hope to get a Kevin Herter in four years. Yeah. Right. And so that already was bad. But at that point, once, you know, every year, more and more, you ring the bell that says not paying the luxury tax, not paying the luxury tax, not paying the luxury tax. You just get less and less leverage for your GM when he has to go to market
0: and try and trade. Just so the folks understand here, the NBA has a salary cap threshold. I forget what it is. It's like 100, and I'll say it's 140 million. I don't remember what the exact number is. And between that and 165 million is what they call the first tax threshold. Once you cross 165 million, you pay a penalty that is spread out among all the other teams in the NBA that are not in the luxury tax. Scott, what was the number that Atlanta was going to get from luxury tax payouts if they were below the tax apron? How much so this, was Tony Russell going to get in his pocket this year?
1: This this past season, the season
0: that just happened, I think the payout was about $30 million. So you people that are listening here, do this math. Tony wrestler decided $30 million in his pocket was more important than probably getting eight more wins on the court, maybe even two or three more home playoff oh, games.
1: It, it probably won't be $30 million this coming year. Because it the be, new changes it, to the CBA? Yeah, it'll be much less than that, I suspect. Now that's what it was last year when they yeah. were trading off Kevin Herter. And and look, I get it. There's times when it does make sense to dodge the luxury tax. Like sometimes you go into a season and you're one million or three million or four million over the tax. Yeah. And it gets to the trade deadline. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to make a small move around the edges, you know, swap some veterans around between you and another team and throw them a second round pick for their troubles so that you go from 2 million over to 1 million under. Yeah. And then you get a $30 million payout. You basically said, Hey, you can have our second round pick for 30 million in cash. But since you from the league. Yeah. In that case, Hey, that's fine. Right. Not a problem. Makes perfect sense. Now you would also like some of that 30 million to be invested back into basketball in the future. Right. Thank you. You, you would hope. Um, not really how, uh, not not how which we leads, seem to be doing things.
0: Which leads us to the next part of the Hawks' transactions, which was we made a trade to the Houston Rockets for Ty Ty Washington, who is a who is a I think a first a first year guard, was twenty twenty draft pick guard, and who's Mangaruba, who's a high upside wing that they weren't playing because Houston already has enough young players; they didn't need him. So we traded for these two, used part of the John Con trade exception. Okay, great. Two young. Guys, we're going to take a flyer on. Then we traded those two in a second-round pick to OKC for Patty Mills. So let me do this all for y'all. We turned John Collins into Patty Mills because the second-round pick that we got, we just sent one back out to get to for, to reward uh, the Thunder for taking on these two contracts of two promising young players, and we got Patty Mills. So we turned John Collins into Patty Mills, for those of you that want to do the math. that's That's what we just did and Patty Mills Patty Mills, who is a real NBA player,
1: it was a real NBA player this year he's going to be terrible and
0: next year he'll be retired and just so you know the Hawks have openly said they are not sure whether or not they want Patty Mills to stay on their roster so again, that was that was about roster, roster numbers management. and roster yeah. spots
1: and and that from that one little lens kind of makes sense now. The problem is, why did you take these two guys on if you? (laughs) I mean, you got them for nothing. So that part of it is perfectly acceptable.
0: You you basically traded them for cash, essentially, is what you did. Yeah. And then.
1: And and so that part's good. But why are you bringing them on if you have no intention of keeping them? And then why are you trading a second round pick and both of those guys to turn Rudy Gay?
0: Into, into Patty, Patty Mills. Mills, which means that you turn like, John Patty Collins Mills. into Patty Mills. And Patty Mills, you don't even know if you want on your team. No, My head's going to explode. No, don't forget, you
1: tra- you turned John Collins, Garuba, and Ty Ty Washington into, into Patty, Patty Mills.
0: Mills. My head's going to explode, Scott. I'm telling you. Yeah.
1: It's so going to happen. Mills, Patty Mills was 34 years old this past season. Played 40 really played games. From Brooklyn. Yeah. Played in 40 games. Played 14 minutes a game. Average six points. Right. Yeah. He's on his way out of the league.
0: Yeah, he is. He's an end of the bench guy at this point of
1: Yeah. He I mean, he's a veteran guy. It's perfectly okay to have him on your team.
0: He's he could he be Aaron Holiday this year.
1: He could be Aaron Holiday. Well, uh he can he can be on the bench and not play and be a good veteran that helps with the general culture and having somebody on your team and that kind of stuff. But he's not going to contribute from a basketball on the court standpoint.
0: Well, Aaron Hall didn't contribute much either, but that, that's yeah, kind of my yeah. point, but <laughs> <laughs> But like it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have a third breaking case of emergency point guard that could come out and not just get you absolutely killed because truthfully, you're saying the option is to put him on the court or Kobe Bufkin in a really tight pinch. I actually probably trust Patty Mills a little more than Kobe Bufkin. I, I don't actually know. And I could be wrong on that, but
1: so I I'll say this, um Okay, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Brad Rowland earlier, right? So we'll play Brad Rowland's greatest hits. Uh, rookies are generally bad. Bad. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's they're inconsistent
0: it. on offense and they're usually bad on defense.
1: Yeah. This is just the truth of things, right? Yeah. Um, just because it's convenient and easy, box plus minus, not the best stat in the world, but just the general benchmark. Cam Reddish as a rookie was a minus four because he was bad. <laughs> He was right? bad. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. The wild Patty shots. Mil- Patty Mills last year was a minus three. Yeah. And he- and that's the worst of his career. Before that, he was a minus two. Before that, he was a minus one. Yeah. Before that, he was a zero. Yeah. And guess which way it's trending. Down. He's, he's- going to be the old retired guy who's way smarter than a rookie, but is too old, and I'm not sure he's going to be any better than an actual
0: rookie. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's actually going to be good. I was just saying – I could see him having some utility. Like, it's at least possible. Like, there was no way that Rudy Gay was ever going to see the court for the Hawks. I could at least see Patty Mills potentially seeing the court for the Hawks before he's Rudy Gay next year (laughs) and out of the league. And so, either way, my point being, and this is the point both of us make, the Hawks are intensely making their team worse. Cheaper. To save money. Yes. And – there is no hope of the Hawks actually taking on money to get better. Because, and this is what I talked to Josh right. If you listen to this, if your job ju- if your intent was to be between a 38 and 45-1 team, be just competitive enough to sell some tickets, why did we go get DeJounte Murray and trade three first round picks? Why do we do that? And then why do we give him a $120 million contract extension?
1: Here's here's why, David, do you want to know? The over 500 keep selling tickets playbook is to have a star who is a recognizable name. That's that true. Create that Right. And then it is to do lots of things because as long as things are different, as long as things are new, as long as you are doing things, there is a spin and you can sell it. And fans in general, there's fans everywhere tend to, be too optimistic in the offseason and they're like, oh, well, we got rid of coach so-and-so. We got this new coach yeah. that's going to, you know, oh, well, yeah, this player last year, he was a problem. We got this new player and it's going to get it fixed up. They brought him in to do this thing that we were bad at last year. Now we're going to be better. That's the playbook, right? Have a star and then do
0: some things and keep switching it up. You know what that playbook gets you in today's NBA? A trade request at age 27 from your <laughs> star. That's what yeah. it gets you. That is what yeah. it gets you. Right, and so in light of that, because that is what
1: it gets you, and because I think they do not want that to happen because they're counting on him to sell tickets. Yeah, right. he does. He's, he's, a, he's a show. Yeah. I I will say there is a chance, still a chance, despite all the nonsense, luxury, tax shenanigans, there is a chance that in the near future, for some one, two, three, whatever year span, They could pay the tax. Now, will they pay some massive tax bill? No. They're not paying like a Clippers, Golden State tax bill ever, ever. Nobody's going
0: to be doing that moving forward.
1: Yeah. Um, But as the new CBA cuts down on the top, top number of people, the top, Mm -hmm. top uh, spenders in the tax, that also decreases the payout for the other people. Yeah. Okay. Right. So if your payout was 30 million cash goes down to 20 or down to 15 or down to 10 or whatever it ends up being. Right. I'm not trying to predict the future. That changes the calculation some. And you get to the point where you start to look at, okay, well, what if we go into the tax and we think it actually wins as a playoff series? Yeah. And they don't care care about winning the playoff series, but they care about the extra extra home games. Yes. Yes. So it can start getting to a point where it is more reasonable and realistic, right? You also have those first-round picks you traded for DeJounte Murray. So there is more incentive to make sure you are very good and that those picks do not end up being very Mm, good just from an optics kind of standpoint. And you put those things together with what you just said, which is they don't want their best player to start asking out, you know, and you might have to spend a little bit, even if it's just spending enough to keep up appearances enough to keep them happy. There's a chance. Now, wrestler has been the majority owner since 15. Is that right? It's been that long. It's really been that long. It's been creeping up. Yep. He has a track record of being cheap. It's not as much as, it's very clear. This offseason, the last offseason, he became the owner right after we won sixty whatever games, mm-hmm. and they couldn't bother to pay Damari Carroll like eight million dollars. I think it was twelve, your, but it wasn't a whole lot. Yeah, to keep your starting lineup together mm-hmm. because
0: you got to dodge the tax, and, and then, so we overpaid Kent Bazemore instead.
1: And then they couldn't bother to
0: pay hey, Al Horford,
1: pay Al Horford, because they had because they had to dodge the tax. Right, and then when they were gonna trade off Paul Millsap, the team got hot, and you start squeaking into like that seventh yeah, seed, and you got dreams yeah. of first round ticket sales glory. So, do you trade off Paul Millsap? Since you, which you should have, because you're already too cheap to keep your other starters, so you might as well go full rebuild if you're gonna do it. No, they got to keep him so they can get the seventh seed or whatever, and, and lose some walked. playoff games. And then, yeah, and you get nothing for him. So the way that that teardown happened so poorly was due to finances and was due to them being cheap.
0: So let's let's talk about moving forward. The one thing that we can say they have done well is draft. And from what the early returns appear to be from Summer League, and this is a Summer League overaction, so I'll go ahead and go ahead and, and and couch it as that. We picked two good players again this year, Kobe Buffkin, has been up and down, but he looks like at least an NBA player in the future. And Muhammad Gay looks like he might be less of a project than we thought. Looks like he might actually be an NBA player this year and maybe not a two-way guy. And so as long as we continue to draft well, A.J. Griffin, who looks like he's going to be a hit, Jalen Johnson looks like he's going to be a hit. Gay looks like he's going to be a hit. If these are hits, that gives you a path to being competitive. Now, here's the issue, and Scott, you've mentioned it already. How can can we be good before we have to pay these guys?
1: Or can and, I just pay them? But we all agree that's unlikely.
0: Well, I mean, you're gonna pay a Yeki. We're gonna pay a Congo. That, that's going to happen.
1: Then, yeah, but but then, you're gonna do it by trading someone else, or in part <laughs> by trading someone else who's actually good at basketball, right? And that's
0: the thing is can we find a way to strike a balance where let's say Jalen Hicks has his big jump this year to become like a quality starter? Can Jalen AJ Both hit before you totally break. break, Before you totally have to break the bank. Can we get good before that? It's a long shot. That's really the only path to being good I can see. Or you package two of the three young guys that we really like, and and you're gonna go get good, like a Paul George. Like that's which I don't think is realistic, but like that to me is the fast track path, the splashy path. You're gonna trade depth to make to get you a win-now player who's only going to play 50 games, but the 50 games he plays, you're going to be really, really good. So do you see a path to us being really good in the near future?
1: So I think it depends on what constitutes really good. We starters. can win a
0: playoff series and compete to make the conference finals. I would. We can be a legitimate conference yeah, final. Yeah,
1: team. there's tons of pathways to that. Not a problem. Now, the problem is being at that level for more than one year three to five years in yeah. a row. And the problem is getting from that level to actually making or winning a finals.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's right? a big jump.
0: That is a big jump. Yeah.
1: yeah. Each, each of those, those are their own steps. Right. But look, you could trade Hunter and Capella in a three team deal for Siakam. Yeah. And you are a much better team right away because you still have a Kongwu at center. And so I'm not saying he's better than Capella right now, but you have a clear starter level replacement right away, and and
0: Siakam is a lot better for you than uh, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, you're adding 24 points and seven rebounds and re- and actually elite defense, like actual elite defense, not pretend elite defense. Um, but I don't, and I yeah. don't think Siakam trade is the one that's been floating around right now. I don't, I don't think it's a great fit because him and Jante are two, if eh shooters so but they're good uh, basketball yeah. players they're and they're good I, they're good basketball
1: i I will say this oh there's also the contract thing of you know he's got one year left and he wants will to be, he wants to be a free agent yeah so that part's debatable you know because of that fit um he would definitely you know people think of Siakam and just think of him as a, a forward but it's worth remembering he's very much a power forward he's a four he's not yeah, he's a four He's yeah. a
0: four he can guard threes but he is a four that's what he is. Yeah.
1: So you would have to have a lineup that is, you know, Trey, DeJounte, A.J. Griffin.
0: Or Bogey. Because you and, cannot play him with Jalen. Yeah. You cannot play him with Jalen. Yeah.
1: Unless Siakam, he's the five. Yeah, Siakam and Okongwu. Yeah. And then right. you have to, you know, hope that Okongwu starts to be able to shoot just a little bit, a little bit. which yeah. it, it kind of seems like it's coming, but yeah, I agree with that. You can, it's not a guarantee, you never really know. Um, and so, but if you did that, you start to have Murray and Siakam and a Kong Wu, and even Griffin's kind of the right size, but he doesn't mm-hmm. quite fit in the same, he's really a a small
0: forward size, yeah. Griffin but
1: now. so, that's a very switching friendly defensive lineup, mm-hmm. so defensively it's true it's very cohesive as far as what you want to do because that's what fits those guys profiles athletically size-wise and sort of being you know murray and siakam and akongwu all being disruptive guys now siakam will be better on ball than than murray will be but where murray is good is about being disruptive and flying around and passing so anyway all that to say you could do some creative things with that lineup and that could be a team that's you know playing at home in the first round right Now, i'm not saying it's a, a number 1 seed
0: no no, no it I, could be a 4 seed hey you know what you know what i'd rather do trade deandre for og ananobi
1: who what i what i would rather do is trade john collins and kevin herter for siakam
0: You you mean you you mean the two guys whose salaries actually matched? Yeah, imagine that.
1: You mean hold on. You mean we could give them two pretty good young players in exchange for a a more
0: veteran, better player? Wow, imagine that. I am upset. I am very frustrated, Um, and I'm holding out hope that the remaining whatever it is, 19 million dollars of this trade exception gets used because with this trade exception essentially you can bring someone in when you're over the cap. Wait, well, let me finish, let me finish. You can bring someone in when you're over the cap and not pay the luxury tax. So basically the Hawks have room right now to afford a $19 million player that would make their team better.
1: But or or really it's a player that's 19 million more than whoever they send out.
0: Correct. I that, that's you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That's yeah. yeah. Um and we're we're, we're probably not going to use it, guys. I'm just telling y'all so. No.
1: So basically right now after we traded Garuba and Ty Tai and Rudy Gay for Patty Mills, that dropped us a little bit lower. Yeah, it did. And we are very much on our way to being approximately one mid-level exception below the luxury tax.
0: That's correct. We are $14 million below right now, and we have the full mid-level exception right now, which basically is the 12 million, accept- $12 million exception you can use to sign a veteran player. That's the short version of it for all this yeah. CBA language that of y'all care about. Here's the bottom line. The Hawks actually have money to add more players to their roster, but doing so will push them closer to the luxury tax. Scott and I, Scott does not believe that we will do so. I am hoping and praying we will because this team is like a nine seed. This roster is like a nine seed roster. With the Barring Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin really exploding.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. I don't know right now what I think this roster is as far as Wins right. It's a Part worse roster
0: than last year. It is. It, it,
1: no, it, it is. Except for were well, the way John Collins was used in playing last year. I mean, yeah, he didn't contribute, and that's not John's fault. That's the fault of his finger being massive and the you know some issues with the last coach, in my opinion, and just how things were structured. And so, fact. while it's a worse roster because you just dumped him on the court, I don't actually know it's a worse team.
0: That's fair, and okay. I
1: feel better about the coaching staff. I, I don't know exactly how the minutes are going to be apportioned and who's going to play, and exactly what the coaching staff is going to do. Obviously, Bogey could be hurt at any time, mm-hmm. but I feel like between AJ Griffin and Sadiq Bay, you, you have some shooting, shooting you can rely mm-hmm. on yeah, rely throughout on all 82 games, more so than last year. Um. So, anyway, all that to say, I don't know that it's actually going to be a worse record on the court, despite the obnoxiousness of just giving away John Collins for nothing. Yeah.
0: So, we're about out of time here, y'all. This is coming from a Hartfield Hawks fan who is usually very optimistic. I'm frustrated.
1: A- after we dumped Kevin Herter, I canceled all my like league pass stuff immediately. I was like, nope, I'm out. I'll. They get my dollars when they pay the luxury tax.
0: So we're hoping for great things. We're going to watch Summer League and cross our fingers. But this has been David Thayn's got the stat assassin, the title on sports. That's it for today. Sad Hawks fans, thank you for listening.